Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu. It's the bye week, but it's not a bye week for the Deep Slant Podcast. Uh, well, it is in the way that uh, we're, we're not getting a brand new player this week, but I thought we'd bring back from the archive some of our favorite stories. We're not going to dig too far. It'll be all from 2020. So we're going to catch up with three different players, three stories that I think really stood out to me this first half of the season, at least in my interview and uh, in the podcast. And I thought we'd bring back some snippets of those interviews and share them for the bi-week edition of the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity. So we're going to catch up with Tyrell Adams, um, a job that he almost took before he decided to go into the NFL. Tyrell, as you know, Definitely bounced around the NFL quite a bit. Now he's starting at inside linebacker in place of Bernard Rick McKinney, who went on IR a few weeks ago. Then we catch up with Colin Gillespie. He went to AM, obviously, Texas AM, and was a 12th man there. He just won an Emmy, or at least the video production team just won an Emmy for the documentary Gilly, which follows him through his college career and through the NFL draft. Process. So we talked a little bit about what it was like to go behind the scenes and have a documentary made on him. And, and I had some questions about his playing career at Texas A&M, which um, surprised me in the, in the documentary. And he, he definitely answered some of our questions. So he gave a lot of great answers. Um, if, if you ever want to know what goes into making a documentary and following around some of these players and, and all the stuff that goes into it. And then finally, Farrell Brown. He's a new tight end that the Texans added this year. He was with Cleveland, so he's got some familiarity with with Darren Fells. Um, I think the thing that really stood out to me about my interview with Farrell Brown was the injury that he suffered in college. He nearly had to have his leg amputated, and uh, there's a little bit of documentation on on this injury, but to hear Farrell describe it in detail uh, of what happened and, and how uh, he went through his surgery and his rehab and, and how he kept such a positive attitude through it all. It was it was actually really surprising and uh, definitely a highlight of, of some of the interviews that I've done this year. So let's get into, we'll get into some of our very favorites of the Deep Slant podcast. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Xfinity. You can experience internet that's more than just fast with Xfinity XFi. Xfinity, the fastest internet in Houston. And it's the proud part partner of the Deep Slant podcast. So let's start off with Tyrell Adams, inside linebacker. Um, He must have played for about a half a dozen different NFL teams on practice squads, had a little bit of playing time. He was with Houston uh, a few years ago, made some big plays on special teams, got released, came back again, and, and now here he is. He led the team in tackles the first two weeks he started. He had a fumble recovery. He had a sack. He had passes defensed. He was really all over the field as he filled in for Bernard McKinney. And A lot of people took notice of Tyrell Adams, but what they didn't know was that he nearly almost did not pursue his dream of getting into the NFL. And uh, this is is Tyrell telling his version of how he almost took a job for Northwestern Mutual. Take a listen. Well, you went to West Georgia and you majored in accounting. Did you ever think, you know what, I might have to... If the football thing doesn't work out, I might have to go back and be an accountant or something. Did you ever think what was going to happen if football didn't work out for you? I was in an interview at Northwestern Mutual for a salesman's job when I got the call from like one of the um, scouts, one of the <laughs> NFL scout about they wanted to come see me work out for a few teams. And literally, as I'm walking out of the interview, because I got the job for the, the rep job. And then as I'm walking out of, interview, out of the interview, I get a call from a random number and they're like, hey, we want you to come perform for these couple of teams, blah, blah. And I'm literally like, oh, my God, I might got a chance. So. 
and it kind of was just it just kind of just rolled from there so I love that. So you had a job offer in hand yes. as a sales rep for Northwestern Mutual. Yep. And you get a call on the other hand that NFL teams are calling you to try out. Exactly. So how happy would you have been if like you never got the NFL call, but you had taken the job? What, do you think you would have looked back and thought, <laughs> I wish it would have gone through? Would you have not looked back? You seem like such a happy-go-lucky guy. I feel like it's, maybe you would have been like- It's crazy because I love football so much. So literally in that interview- I'm like kind of like watching like because I'm inside the office. I'm watching all the people around kind of like what they're doing. I'm seeing all these cubicles and I'm literally slowly and steadily like accepting like, oh, my gosh, it's over with. The fun life is over with just the uplift because I'm a, I'm a people's person. I like to be in like live environments. I'm just like that's just me. I'm a social butterfly. So it was just it wasn't socially. The sales <laughs> job wasn't going to be social enough for you. What were you going to do? Exactly. So I was. I was literally there and I was going through my head, like, I guess it's all over. And then I get that call and literally. And that was the begin. That was the end of the sales career for now. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. Maybe way, 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 way later in the future. So that was Tyrell Adams. He said that he was actually invited to uh, the super combine back in 2015. That's when they had these regional combines. So we'd gone to the regional combine really impressed, and then got an invitation. That's what that phone call was. It was an invitation to the Super Combine. I believe it was in Arizona. And that's when you get to try out in front of all 32 teams. I actually wrote a story about it. It's up on HoustonTexans.com. And and obviously the rest is history for Tyrell Adams as he's making a name for himself in 2020. Not under the circumstances you'd want because it means that Bernard McKinney went on IR. But still, after hearing the story that Tyrell had gone through, his story of perseverance and just really latching on with the team after he'd been cut so many times. Uh, it's very hard not to be happy for him. And, and you can listen to that entire interview on uh, HoustonTexans.com or go back to my um, my podcast page on iTunes. All right, let's get into the next interview. It's Cullen Gillespie, also known as the 12th man. I remember watching the Gator Bowl just a few years ago when Cullen Gillespie scored the final touchdown for Texas A&M, and, and all of his teammates piled onto him. They were so excited. They were so happy for him. And my husband, who went to Texas A&M, I asked him, I said, he's so good. I mean, is this really going to be the last time he ever plays football? How, how could no team just not sign him or give him a chance, even as an undrafted? Well, Holland, of course, gets drafted by the Houston Texans, and he knew when he was playing that game, well, he had an inkling that he might end up in the NFL. So we, we talked a little bit about the Emmy that he won, or his video production team won, for Gilly, uh, which followed him from about his senior year through uh, through the draft process. Everyone knows your story about the 12th man. Maybe you're sick of talking about it. I'm never sick of hearing about it. It's such a great, great story. And I think a lot of people need to know that you are now an Emmy winner because the documentary Gilly won a Lone Star Emmy Award. Congratulations, first and foremost, on that. It's, it was I mean, sure, you can claim that I won an Emmy. Um, I don't think I did too much. Um, I think it, the Emmy definitely goes to Texas Filmworks um, and Texags as well. And then um, one of the main producers in Clay Taylor, um, he worked with me every day, um, really was kind of like his, his project baby because he really wanted to make it well. He started at um, doing social media stuff for A&M and, and, and um, doing The Pulse, which I think as well won an Emmy Award. So... Um, I knew he was going to do a good job with it. Um, you know, my story was in his hands. I was really excited to see the finished product. And 
and it honestly turned out better than I could imagine. Um, and then and now, I guess I can add that to my resume. I am an Emmy Award winner. But again, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't me. I wasn't acting. I was just kind of up there talking on screen. Um, I think it goes goes out to Clay, Texas Filmworks, and Tex Ags, um, and and all the people involved in making that film. It, it was they did a great job. Yeah. How did they? How did it even come about? Because I do remember when the Texans drafted you. You were sitting there with all your family and friends, and there were a lot of cameras. And I thought, this is not your normal camera setup. Yeah, there were some beautiful professional photos. And I found out later that they were filming a documentary on you, but it seems mm -hmm. like it had been going on a while. So when did they first approach you? At what point in your career did they did the, the filming and all that start? Um, it started like around, like when I was in combine training. Um, I, they had contacted my dad and um, a couple of the guys who worked at TexAgs contacted me and like, hey, this is something we are interested in doing. So going forward, once I kind of went back to A&M for Pro Day, they uh, really started all the filming right there. Because I was there for about two weeks doing workouts and, and other stuff. So I went back and they started getting, you know, like B-roll footage there. And then um, really kind of did a lot of the interviews leading up to the draft. And then they were there at the draft, which is, like you said, um, you know, your typical seventh round pick or possible free agent doesn't normally have cameras and all types of stuff going on at the party. So it was, uh, it was a little different. Um, but and in, in the end, I'm glad they were there to document it all. You know, there was, it was a great day and, and I'm glad that they got to capture it all on film and, and kind of, um, you know, really, really put my story together. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's great that other people are watching it, but, but just for me, you know, to show my, future family one day, you know, this is what I did, or hopefully I'm not still living in the past, but maybe, um, you know, I can show them, but uh, no. So they, so they filmed up to there and then they came into the facility after um, one day over the summer and, and did, got a little bit more footage, but it was a really cool process and, and getting to see, uh, really getting to see how a, a film like that is made of all the things you do talk about and all the things they film and then it gets compressed down into 20 minutes and what they do put in and don't put in. It was kind of cool to see the behind the scenes look of it. Did you enjoy the whole process? Was it, was it fun? Some people like the cameras following them around and other people get kind of annoyed by it, but you seem so comfortable talking. Um, <laughs> I mean, you see, he seems so, I mean, that's, I, I feel like you are a very outgoing person, but the camera loves me. No, did you, li did uh, you <laughs> like the, ex was it, was it fun? Was it, did it get old after a while? Because you, you were like in a really crazy time in your life preparing for the NFL draft. I mean, I've, I've never really been, been shy around cameras. Um, normally if someone puts a camera in my face, I'm, I'm going to do or say something stupid. So it wasn't, wasn't too big of a deal. And, and it really helped that the, the people who were filming me and conducting the interviews, um, you know, I had known for a really long time. So they were really able to capture, you know, who I am as a person and being able to put funny stuff in there. Um, and it wasn't, there wasn't an awkwardness, which sometimes whenever you're, you're dealing with people you don't really know who are getting you on camera for the first time, you can't really express your personality or, or show who you really are. So I mean, it was definitely a little bit nerve wracking knowing that nerve wracking, knowing that I was on drafted. If I didn't get drafted that, you know, that was going to be on camera too. So I was going to have to, you know, kind of control myself and keep it together. And, and they were going to get all that on film, but it, it ended up working out. And, and like I said, uh, the people who did it just did such a good job. And um, really, I was glad to be able to share that experience with them and, and everyone who's watched it. There were two parts that I really liked. There was one where I think you were doing a radio interview with Billy Lucci and you told him to take out, the, and as, as a radio host, we go through this sometimes where players are like, yeah. uh, I, don't, I didn't like how I said that. And you told, the part that you told him to take out, do you remember that you said, take out the part yeah. where you were 
saying to be to go to the Houston Texans would be a dream come true because you just didn't want to seem like you had all your eggs. Correct. In I didn't want another team to see that interview and be like, oh, so like you didn't want to play for us. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I would have been happy anywhere I went. But, you know, growing up in Houston, uh, going to Texans games my entire life and, and being a fan of the organization. Um, I mean, you can't you can't help but, you know, root, root to go play for your hometown team. But that was the point. I was like, yo, I don't. I don't know when this is being released. I don't know who's going to hear this. Let's go ahead and cut that. Uh, cut that from the uh, interview. I love that, was that like they three days before draft day. Oh, but I love that they put that in there because when you know the whole story and how it ends, it just makes it. It just seems so authentic. Your genuine excitement for coming to Houston. The other part I loved, and I think this should be a spinoff documentary, um, is your mom and all huh. the stories that she tells because she was talking about how you were redshirted for kindergarten. Because you had to uh, stay back. I mean, she even, had so many great stories. I, I think the camera really does love your mom. Yeah. Um, she played I had, such a I big had role. People, I had so many people hit me and like, oh, when your mom was talking, like I started crying. I was just like, oh, she was playing, y'all. No, <laughs> I love my mom. She's a, she's a sweet woman. She she cares about me and, and my little brother more than anyone else in this world. We're her, we're her babies, as she calls us. So uh, she's got tons of things to say, um, some good, some bad. Um, Maybe we can get her on. Y'all can interview her sometime. Uh, but she's a uh, she's a great lady. Um, I go to everything. I probably share too much with her um, in my life. She has to tell me to stop talking sometimes. But um, yeah, pretty much everything she says is is, is gold. I, I mean, I thought it was so great because she's telling all these jokes about you. But when it came down to it, she's the one that wanted you to stick to it because that was one question I had for you. I actually watched the whole documentary um, after it won because I'd seen I'd seen clips of it, but Mm -hmm. You know, to think that you're the 12th man, you know, where is this going to end? I, I mean, I remember watching you in the Gator Bowl when you scored the touchdown and you were so happy. And at that point, did you think this could be the last time I ever play football? I mean, was that going through your head or it seems like after watching it, you thought that there was very much a real possibility that you could work towards getting yourself a, a job in the NFL. For sure. Um, I definitely treated that game like it was going to be my last game, but um, you know, at to, up to that point, you know, the NCAA allows you to talk with agents, um, you know, leading up to the season and kind of figuring out what's going to go on. Um, after, really, I had no thoughts um, whatsoever about playing in the NFL until really after like my fourth year, my red shirt junior season, I guess. Um, after that, some coaches approached me and like, hey, like you might have a shot. Um, and then going to my senior year, that was kind of the the approach I took that this was the career path I was going to try and pursue. But at, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's still the NFL. It's the most competitive business in the world. So I just tried to do what I could. And I, after I scored the touchdown, they, they told me to go back in and, and do the last kickoff. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I think my last play of college football and possibly ever should be a touchdown. Um, I knew I was going to train and, and get ready for the draft. Um, I didn't know if I was going to get drafted or if I was going to play. I figured I'd probably get an invite to training camp, but even even that's uh, still still a tough road to to go down. So I had a little bit of of knowledge about what was going on, but for the most part, it was just like ride it out and and, and play it like it's my last play. So that's what if that was my last play of football, uh, I, I would have been able to live with that. Colin Gillespie, you can watch that short film slash documentary. I think texags.com has it up on their website. Um, and then let's finally get into our final story of uh, the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity here in this bye week. Farrell Brown, he's a tight end that the Texans signed uh, early this season. And what a fortuitous 
uh, signing it turned out to be because they did not know they were going to have the injuries that they did at tight end. Obviously, Kahali Waring went on IR, so that's really why Farrow was brought in. But Jordan Aikens missed a few games with a concussion. He was banged up a little bit with the ankle injury. Hopefully, he comes back after the bye week. But in the meantime, Farrow Brown has been in there along with Darren Fells. He had a, a big catch a few weeks ago, 22-yard catch that um, a play later, Deshaun Watson connected with Will Fuller on, on a touchdown. So, uh, you know, his his play on the field, we're seeing more and more of it as the weeks go on. Um, special teams on offense. Who knows what's going to happen once Jordan Akins returns to the fold. But uh, it's been fun getting to know Farrell Brown a little bit off the field because he's been known for this injury He's still known for this injury that he suffered when he was playing at Oregon. It was against Utah. Uh, he had this surgery that really just saved his leg and his football career. And um, it was done in Utah. He describes everything that sort of happened in that whirlwind of a moment as he was rushed in the ambulance to the hospital. And then afterwards, this is the freaky part, afterwards what happened when he went back years later to the same medical institution. Take a listen. Well, I want to ask you about um, your college days, because mm-hmm. in just reading about you and learning about you, the one thing that really stood out was the fact that you had just a really serious injury in college that you overcame, and that's yeah. allowed you to keep playing football. And it's not just any injury. It was threatening not only your football career, but also there was a, a chance that you might actually have your leg amputated. Is that correct? Can you tell me about your injury and for people that, that don't know about it? Well, at first, when it happened, we thought it was just, you know, a ACL, LCL, like your standard kind of knee dislocation. But then we was at Utah, and I was just, like, in a lot of pain, caught, like, a full body cramp on the ambulance. So, you know, it was a it was a it one of those kind of shows. So they, they, instead of going back with the team, it was like, well, we'll just send them to the hospital, get them on some pain tolerance. And they kind of gave me some IVs. I was still in pain, and they started, like, shoot and die. Basically, I wasn't getting laid. So when the die, when they were shooting the die, basically, like they couldn't see it when it got to my knee, and uh, so I wasn't getting no blood from the leg down. So that was like first kind of scene. So the doctors came in, was like, "Yeah, we got to see you in the surgery." And I was like, "Well," so I'm like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not giving y'all not doing surgery on me. I don't know you doctors. Like these, I'm with the Utah doctors, you know. And they like, well, right. we got to do surgery. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing surgery. They told me." All the, everybody else from Oregon flew back. So I was like, well, they say that y'all are supposed to give me medicine. So the guy was like, okay, well, he sent in the doctor. like, well, you won't play football again if you don't get this surgery right now. We'll have to cut off your leg. So then I was like, okay, well, give me the surgery. <laughs> I, guess uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll get the surgery done. <laughs> yeah, so I, like, I guess I had a surgery. That's oh, okay. okay. So the surgery you know, saved your leg, essentially, the fact that you were able to get it done. So the surgery, they basically did a vein bypass because I had slipped my artery. Mm. And when I slit the artery, I was it messed up the vein, basically the floor of the veins. So they basically bypassed, stitched it up, and that was a surgery that basically I had to wait 30 days. So it was kind of like a 30 day wait to see if the blood will actually restore. And that it's kind of hard to explain. So basically, I was wait, I waited 30 days to see if the vein bypass that they did would basically flow, kind of like a Get maze. the blood flowing back again through your Get leg. Get the blood flowing back you. through that way. So Obviously, I mean, it did because you're playing football. But what was – how long were you out of football? Were you – I mean, were, I would imagine you'd be did, pretty worried that you're not going to yeah. be able to play again. So if it was November, I had that 
I had another surgery after that 30 days and I had to have another surgery. So I had three surgeries in total. And then I did about, I redshirted. And I, so I did about 19, uh, t- 19 months of rehab. And uh, I think the the people at Oregon was fabulous. The people at the Cleveland Clinic was fabulous. My mom, my fiance now, who was I was with back then, was fabulous. And just, they kind of kept all the, I honestly didn't know the, Telling the story now, you know the seriousness of it, but when it happened, I never knew the seriousness of it. Like, other than the doctor saying, I got to get this surgery, my leg get cut off. I thought I was good after I got the surgery. Oh, I, I didn't see. know that I was, them 30 days waiting, I didn't know that I was waiting. I thought I was fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my parents and everybody else knew the severity of it, but they wouldn't tell me, basically. So, I mean, I was just chilling. They just like, oh, you just got to get another surgery 30 days later. They didn't tell me then that I was like, basically like the 30 days, I might have had to get my leg chopped off. Like if it didn't work, I didn't know that until after it worked. You know what I mean? So so you had a great attitude because everyone oh, yeah. just kept very um, scary <laughs> information from you, which is, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't fault your family at all for doing that. But now that you know too, that man. that's how serious it was, I imagine you just have a different appreciation for playing that, you know, you wouldn't have yeah, had had you not I'm gone definitely grateful that. for the game and uh honestly it was just like another challenge uh and I love challenges I love the competitiveness I love people saying that you can't do something even with the injury it was like oh you're not going to be able to play you're not going to be able to do this and you know I mean I just love overcoming those obstacles and it was just another challenge honestly and it was just fun because we basically, this, this telling the story kind of gave me chills. When we started a rehab, there was no rehab for it. Like when you get an ACL, it's like, okay, this is what you do for ACL. This is what you do for a shoulder. Like with mine, we didn't know, like Zach Miller kind of had the same injury. He called me and we kind of talked, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a playbook for this rehab. So it was just like day to day, like (laughs) we come in and we kind of like, wrote the story on how to recover from it because you've never seen it, you know? So, I mean, that was fun. I actually live in Salt Lake now and I went there this summer because obviously with the COVID stuff and with everything going on, I went to that doc, I went to that physical therapy this off season because we was basically kind of not had, didn't have an off season. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, you're Farrell Brown. And it's like, dude, you're like a superstar out here. Like they still talk about your case. Oh man, everybody knew it. I walked into like the Utah like hospital and everybody knew me like this is a guy like that, is real, that's, that like, gives me chills, but that's really scary yeah. too, that you were kind of the cutting edge for them on, on an injury that right. they had not seen before. So they use it like a big case study there with like the doctors. So like the jazz doctors knew me. It was like kind of weird but kind of funny. Do they know do they have a name for what it was that you had? <laughs> There's no name Horrific for it. It's injury. just the, the, the Pharaoh Brown injury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So what about now? Here you are because you've overcome all that and, and so much in your career. And now you're here with the Houston Texans. And it seems to be good timing as far as the tight ends are concerned because Kahale Waring, obviously, he's not ready to be mm-hmm. back yet. And then and then we saw what happened with Jordan Aikens getting the hit in the game. And and you've gotten to, to get into some games here starting with week three. But for, for fans that don't really know you or – or don't know much about what you bring to the game. What do you bring to the game? What do you think that you offer that tight ends group? I think I bring just a lot of energy. I mean, I kind of just can do it all. When I was at Oregon, I was using special teams. My coach was a special team coach, and you couldn't start for him at tight end if you didn't play special teams. So 
I was I can play on special teams. I was used as a blocker, pass catching at Oregon. So uh, I think I'm just a guy that kind of do it can do it all, block, give you some stuff in the pass game, athletic, can run after the catch, can block. I think now it's just kind of the coaches getting used to me now. So just seeing my role growing week to week, I, the run game has been. We haven't got to the point where we want to be in a run game, so that's kind of been a thing that we need to get off the ground. So I've been using the blocking. Hopefully in these weeks leading up, I can get my hands on a few balls and show the coaches that I can do that. You know what I mean? So you just kind of start seeing your role stack and stack. Went in on special teams and started, what, on three of them this past week. And by the time the game was over, I was on all five special teams. So Filled in pretty good there. Got me one of the a nice easy tackle kickoff, you know. So just filling in, just got to be a pro. Honestly, you never know. I mean, we're on record pace right now, just as a whole league with injury. So, I mean, you see guys dropping, you know, all the time. I mean, usually it's a big part of the game, but like this year is just astronomical numbers. So, I mean, you just got to be ready and be a pro and be able to step up. I mean, that's just always the name of the game every year is just step up, be the next man. So. I literally had goosebumps when he told me that he went back and everybody, all the doctors and the medical staff remembered him from his injury because it was just so gruesome and it was just so unseen. And, and look at him now. He went through 15 months of rehab and, and continued playing and he went off and finished his season, his uh, career at, at Oregon. And, and here he is in the NFL making a name for himself. So always like to see guys that, uh, succeed in the face of adversity and and just a really nice very friendly outgoing guy and very excited to be in Houston and you know getting a shot here with the Texans so like he said you know what 2020 is just the year of surprises you just never know uh, when your turn may come up when your chance may come and and uh, here we are at the bye week at the halfway point in the season we don't know what the second half of the season is going to hold but you know what I will promise you that it will hold a deep slant podcast for you every single week. We'll be back next week with a brand new podcast as the Texans travel to Jacksonville uh, for their next matchup. So we'll catch up with JP Shadrick, probably of the Jaguars, and we'll catch up with a player and bring you a brand new podcast. But, you know, for now, I thought it'd be fun to share a little bit of some of my favorite moments from this year. And I think this is something we need to do from time to time. Maybe we'll do it at the end of the year and sort of recap, or maybe we'll do a best of at some point. So a lot of players sharing some really really special moments, and I'm really, really thankful that we get to share them with you on this podcast. So be sure to give it a like, a listen, subscribe, and uh, hey, give me a shout out on at Deep Slant on Twitter if there's anybody you want to hear from or any questions in particular you'd like me to ask, and I'll be sure to take that into consideration moving forward. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast. Hope you are enjoying this wonderful bye week and this fall weather here in Houston. Uh, check out HoustonTexans.com. We still have stories going up. Uh, we still have radio every single night on Texans All Access. And we've got a brand new Texans 360 coming up this weekend. You'll get to see some video versions of the Best of Deep Slant interviews. Those will be completely different from what's in this podcast, I promise you. So check that out on Saturday night, 11 p.m. ABC 13 after Texans Extra Points and the late local news. So that's going to do it for our podcast. Stay safe out there, Houston. And as always, go Texans.